This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. We're at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. We're at A to Z podcast.com, facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. As always, we're presented by Cleveland Scene, by the Honeymoon Grill, by American Fireworks. Uh, all have been good to us for a long time. You guys have been good to us for a long time. All those places need your help in different forms and fashions right now. So if you can spare a few minutes, spare a few bucks, help them out. And uh, if you're throwing a non-traditional graduation party, engagement party, wedding shower, whatever it may be, um, in these strange circumstances, American Fireworks, which is back open but is always open on AmericanFireworks.com, they will take care of you. Dre, uh, how are you? We're shizzled. I'm all right, man. I'm alive. I'm good. Governor's opening up shit. Um, curiosity of if this is going to be good, bad, or not. I'm still taking, I'm on my own quarantine. I ain't going out today until I'm, to my, <laughs> I'm on my own quarantine. I was leaving at that. I, had, I thought I was going to say something funny. It would have been funny, but I got to be careful nowadays. <laughs> well, yeah, like, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I did have somewhere I wanted to start, but in typical A to Z fashion, here we go off the rails already. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, because I did this, I, I went on with Ken and Raj this morning, and it was completely impromptu. Like, I was driving this morning, listening. I texted them. They said, "Do you want to come on?" I said, "Not especially," but you know, they got none. They're filling the four worst, hours a day. Isn't that the worst thing about having friends that are on the radio? Yeah, but I said, "Listen, I, I can spare twenty <laughs> minutes, right?" And then, right. as I was working this morning, I was listening. Like, and I know we do it too, and I know that's what's going on, but. Like, the further we talk about things, everything is so uncertain, so fragile. Um, that's a word I'm borrowing, I think, from Buster only. Like, we don't know, right? So everybody's kind of talking in circles. Yeah. I mean, and so, you know, like, I, I want to be, po- I, I be a positive person in life. That's always been my goal. That's always how I've lived. I've always felt like it's better to have a positive perspective than a negative perspective. And if you don't get that positive, you know, you bounce back to make lemonade out of lemons. In this situation, you try, that's all, that's where I'm at. I, don't, I know that, you know, like I see people today killing Blake's knee, snail. And rightfully so. He, he sounds like, like I know the Players Association kind of told players, just, just keep, keep it to yourself. <clears throat> right. However you feel. Because there's no there's no winning in this. Do I get where Blake Snell is coming from? Do I understand where Blake Snell is coming from? Absolutely. I'm 100%. I get what he's saying. But you don't got to tell everybody. Yeah. It doesn't have to be talked about. Um, because no one right now is going to take what Blake Snell is saying. The common person that has worries out of the, the wazoo right now is not going to go, good for Blake Snell. Good for him that he's not he's going to sit on his $10 million contract this year. $50 million contract. And he wants, like, I, I mean, and to be honest, I'm on the player side more than I'm on the owner side. That's nowhere here nor there. But you're not going to hear one or owner bust out with a quote like that. Have you ever? You think, you think a billionaire is going to be like, shit, man, I might lose $20 million this year. You're not going to hear. Right. You're not going to hear. Well, so that's the thing. What, what do we always say here? Presentation matters, right? Yeah. And yeah. the best advice you could give these guys is just just stay out of it. If you get asked, if you do someone's podcast or if you must tweet or do a chat or whatever it is, just say, hey, you know, I'm staying ready because that's my job is to stay ready. But all those decisions are made by people way above me and I'll be ready next week in three weeks or whenever. I I respect what's going on. Right. That's like 
one right. on one. Right. Right. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. Like keep it simple because yep. the thing yep. is, and it's always been like this, and I've never understood this before. I had this job as a kid. I remember the NFL strike in like '84, '80, like whenever. And I remember going to my dad, like I was like, "Why does everybody hate the players? Why is it?" And like, it just didn't, didn't generate to me at that time. You know what I mean? And my dad's like, "Well, they're they're front and center. Those are the people that we know." He goes, "Most people don't know the owners. Nobody goes to a game for an owner." And most of the players are dumb enough, I shouldn't say dumb enough, but they're dumb enough to put, give a quote, to yeah. give something to hang on to, to say, hey, look at how greedy they are. Hey, they only care about themselves. When in reality, most of us have worked our asses off, and we wish we could have the stance Blake Snell as it has, right? Yeah. I wish that I have, I've made enough money in my life that I could set the standards exactly how I want my standards to be when I go back to work. But that ain't the case, bro. <laughs> well, <laughs> th- th- this is the whole thing. I mean, it's happened in baseball. And it probably will happen in the other sports, regardless of outcome, right? It's going to get out there that that they're fighting over dollars and it's going to be a bad look. But the the problem other than that being inevitable, Dre, is that that's down the road. There's 20 hurdles that got to be cleared before that matters. That's what's out there publicly, but there's 20 hurdles that got to be cleared before that matters. And that's why it's hard to even pencil anything in for for happening anytime soon. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. I'm glad you put it that way. And, and, and really, I thought Jeff Passon put it well early on, earlier this week. Um, you know, for as much as we're all getting caught up in what Blake Snell's saying or what Buster Olney's saying, this is a, in, in any negotiation, whether you've negotiated to buy a house, a car, um, a marriage, in or out, um, a child, negotiations are going, and in this one, with this much money involved, it's going to get ugly before it gets cute. Yeah. And especially in this situation, they've got two weeks. They got two and a half weeks before it's got to be a drop dead set. We have to do this or we have to do that. So, and I, and there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of news out there. There's not a lot of new news. So therefore we make probably more out of this than all of us should uh, because of how slow things are. I'm not going to let my blood pressure get too high, too low on any of this until I, until I should, um, I get if I was doing radio at three o'clock in the afternoon or nine, you know, or five at whenever the hell Carmen's ass wakes up. Uh, I guess I would I would be able to fuel myself up and get myself going and rant and rave about this. But I think I've already set myself up to not rant and rave, not get too high or too low on anything that's said around baseball over the next week and a half. To be honest, because it's like until there's, there's finality to it, there's no reason to let my blood pressure go higher or lower. Right. Um. You know, and one thing, another thing that hit me with this is, you know, we were just, frankly, just filling time. You know, we talked some Browns and whatever. And then Raj, you know, just asked me, um, you know, from being in the football community, who have you talked to? Like, what, what, are, what are people in the coaching industry, in the scouting industry, in even high school football, you know, saying about right. what they know or what they think or whatever? And then, anyway, you know, I – I've I've known a lot about Max Sports for years, and we've talked on this podcast on occasion and off about how, you know, there's just not enough money to go around, and how Kent State has to take those brutal buy games to make a pay, right? And if it wasn't for Kent State baseball being self-funded, maybe they wouldn't have sports altogether uh, long before this, right? And then it hit me today as you start talking about that, like not only do I not know what's going to happen next, but you're talking about people's livelihoods here you know akron right. dropped right. three sports today and they're it right. was just out there today akron 
the Akron Zips and Blake Snell got more run over the last 48 hours than either one of them might ever yeah. get again. I know Blake Snell is a good yeah. pitcher, and nobody I know ever recognized him before today, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, right, and that goes back to a whole other thing about baseball because you're right. Blake Snell is, has won a Cy Young, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Nobody knows him, and that's part of being in Tampa. I actually like him. I know some other guys that know him. Um, just because I, I like what I've known of him. Um, he's a kid that he was playing a video game. He's on Twitch or whatever else. Not the time and place we should be taking quotes from athletes, but he has to know better. Right. He has to make better decisions. Um, the Akron thing, to me, you bring up the Akron thing, and I, what you just said hit me when the Mac stuff all came down um, and them changing, you know, who's going to have tournaments and that not, and whatnot. And at first, like the common folk, I instantly was like, eh, big, you know, that stinks. And then I saw the baseball tournament. I think it's done for a couple of years now. And I was like, that sucks because, you know, I love baseball. I love, I know what Kent State baseball has meant. I know actors got Chris Sabo and, and, and they finally got a program back. Like that matters to a lot of people. You know, like it's baseball. I know it's not generate money, but Mac baseball is pretty damn good. Um, you know, they've generated some decent players, decent, like whatever. And then it didn't hit me, hit me again until I was watching the news later that night or reading something later that night. And I saw all the other sports that weren't going to have postseason tournaments. And I'm not a soccer fan. I think anybody listening to this podcast knows it. I got respect for it. It does nothing for me. And then when I saw and it, and it hit me, I was like, man, Akron's soccer program has become a top 10, top 15 program. Now, they've had, you know, they haven't been as great as they were maybe five, six years ago, but they're, they're a solid, solid, solid program. And suddenly one of the best programs in the nation doesn't even have a tournament postseason tournament in their own conference to win if they want to go to another tournament and that freaking sucks yeah yeah no um you know when the smoke clears on all this a lot is going to change that's for sure and i think you know i don't even think you need to follow it closely to see that universities need to do everything they can to say we're going to have in-person schooling and get those deposits and get those plans made and then is it up to them? What really happens? You know, I mean, right. these are just the strangest times and, and it's going to hit. Uh, well, it's already touched pretty much every aspect, every, every field that you're in. Right. Right. Um, right. You know where it's going to go from here. Uh, sports in a way are back. And I, I know there's been a lot of speculation um, with the NBA. They've had some high level meetings and, and a lot of leaks there or a lot of details coming out. I shouldn't say leaks. Um, you know, baseball was kind of the first to let the initial plan out, but UFC is back. No fans. It's been on TV yeah. two or three times. Um, NASCAR, yeah. NASCAR coming, coming back. No oh. fans. Um, German soccer this week, which, you know, will be on TVs here. So I more people than watch it, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody that, that, uh, to, to a guy, to a, to a guy like you or I, um, is there a difference in German soccer or Barcelona soccer in, I don't know, Italy? Or, I, like, I'm not uh, trying to be decent to another. Well, yeah, to me, I'm just saying, if the soccer's on, it's just soccer to me. I don't yeah. know where the hell it's at. Well, to me, because just because I've been to a Premier League match now, so I don't follow it. I couldn't name but six players, but I can tell you that who who's in the Premier League. You know, what, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear what their structure is. I'm just saying is. it's funny when you – yeah, it's just funny when you're like, yeah, soccer, and, you know, and, and it's like <laughs> – the average person would turn on TV and not, and not know if it's in Berlin or Africa or West Africa. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, I, 
here's this. We've come down this road, so let's talk about this. Um, All right. I understand you want to be first. And, and Dana White and UFC, they are what they are. He is who he is. And he, he has been brash about the whole thing, and he's said somebody's got to be first, right? right? But if you're right. these other leagues where it's not just an individual sport and it's not just, you know, what is it? Everybody has three guys in their corner, so each fighter, you know, each fight times times six people or something like that that they have to worry about. Like, you'd love to be first for the attention. Um, You'd love to be first to set the trend and excel and get back to making money and getting talked about and moving forward with your whole business. However, like, what is the risk of being first? Like, a a friend of mine is is an administrator at a high school. Um, and I'm not talking about Manchester here for those of you who are doing direct connections. Um, and he basically <laughs> said he was getting peppered by parents who were like demanding some sort of drive-in movie theater or some sort of formal graduation uh-huh. ceremony. Right, and his answer right. was, we hear you and we would love to do that. But the moment we at X school pay for that, that uh, to rent that facility – it's our event and there's one thing that can go right. And there's 10,000 things that can go wrong. So we can't do that. And that's just where we are right now. Right. Right. And it it sucks that that's the thought process for, for your companies. Cause as you said, all the, all the being first stuff sounds great. If you're Dana White until you're the first to have, and and they already did. They had a player that, that came up positive. And so far, no one else around there has come. And I think that may be, and, and, and I'll, I'm a, like I said, I'm going to try to be positive because that's just, I try to live my life posit- in a positive tone. The one thing I'll give them, and I don't know, the, and we don't know the, the end result, is they did have a guy come down with it. They were able to continue their, their whole thing last weekend. And knock on wood, so far, no one else has come back with the virus. And, you know, slowly but surely, it looks like, because the one thing we saw, heard about it the NBA this week was like, well, they want to come back, and they kind of come to the conclusion that if they come back, the virus isn't gone, gone you're going to have to have – and I've said this to you in my situation. Yeah, I'd love to come back. I just want to know what happens if somebody gets it or if I get it or a player gets it. Right. Like what is the – you know, is the season over? Or do we run away, put them in a bubble, and keep the shit going? You know, like what is the game plan for – because I think the reality that we all have to come through to one way or the other – and, what, and it doesn't just because you come to a conclusion doesn't mean you like it or love it. But the conclusion that we all got to like figure out is if it happens, we're we're all gonna the conclusion we come to we are going to have to live amongst this virus. It's just not going away anytime soon. Uh, there's precaution to take. There's other things to take. But okay, if we're living amongst this this virus, how are we going to live our lives knowing it's still here? What are you most comfortable with? Like, I've talked to people that run restaurants and bars. And, you know, the people that can, they're like, man, we're putting tents, you know, outside of our place. We're going to put people outside. We're going to try to make, you know, eating and drinking outside, you know, you know, more of of our thing, you know, the way to make people feel comfortable. They're open in downtown Cleveland. They open up like 25th Street on Friday and Saturday nights. So people can, you know, not have to feel like they're forced to be inside a, you know, inside a small building. I think for all of us, we have to come to the understanding. I guess is the word I'll use. We're going to come to the understanding that we are going to the new normal. And I know we hate that phrase. The new normal is going to see us do a lot of things that we never thought we were going to do. 
Uh, the curve has been flattened, and now America needs to get back. And I hate, I hate how forceful we are about it, but it's like, how long can we keep sitting like this? And I, and I understand that thought process. And I think for the NBA, they've kind of said to their players, if we come back in 2020, there's a chance people can get it. We can take all the testing we want and all the other stuff. There's a chance. And I, I just don't see how you quarantine or how you make players just live in a bubble. I just can't see a 40-man baseball roster and you tell them they're only going to their hotel, their place, or the other ballpark. It yeah. sounds good. sounds great. Um, but anybody out there got a mom, dad, girlfriend, sister, wife, kids, cousins, uncle, like, like it's just it's, – it's a lot to ask of, of, of 40 people. I think they're all going to be able to keep that same uh, discipline with it. So it's going to be a part of our world. How comfortable you are with that, it's on you. There's there's no doubt about it, and and that's the thing. Like, I forget who I was listening to today. Mike Trout's about to have a baby, right? He's saying you're really going to keep me away from my family for four months to play. You know, I mean, and this is this is one of the handful of recognizable stars in the game. You know, so it's right. Yeah, there's there's just so many layers to it. All right, Um, did you watch any of the UFC on, on Saturday or last night? Did not. I saw a little bit of the UFC from last night where the dude was teeth were like rattling out of his face. Yeah. And they still kept him fighting. So, yeah. Was- yeah. So a couple things on this. Um, you know, I, I know it made headlines because two fighters on Saturday said that they basically changed their in-fight strategy because with no fans, they could hear the announcers. And Daniel Cormier – who's a name been around for UFC and I guess is going to fight Stipe whenever Stipe gets to go through a full training camp. Uh, It's going to be Cormier's last fight. All all that. Anyway, two things. One, I have learned, um, not that I'm getting in and fighting anybody, but I have learned a lot from watching it, even casually, from listening to him uh, over the last couple of days. And two, like, think about that in the other sports. Think about in the NFL, all the precautions they go to. All the trying they do, not just the Patriots, but the other teams, <laughs> to get every bit of information. And now right. you're going to play in a dead quiet stadium. It's really right. strange. Right. I heard. Uh, I heard the play-by-play guy from UFC last night. He said that you know they went to the corner in like one of the rounds, and they heard how the, the you know how the team was like saying to defend their guy and how to go at this guy. Mm-hmm. He goes, and we come back from commercial, and usually you know I try to. You know, give an insight into how this, you know, how they're going to play, you know, how a guy is going to attack this round. And he goes, and I realize I can't do that or give that same type of information because, well, the other fighter can hear everything that I'm saying. Yeah. He said it was the weirdest, the weirdest thing ever for him because they're sitting ringside. They almost need to put him on a perch, uh, you know, like like the Joe Tate perch, because the fighters can hear everything that's being said by the play-by-play guy. Yeah, so he's like, so, I can't come back and be like, hey, their corner said you should do X, X, and X. Because if I do that, then that guy here, like, it's, it's, it's what a time. So I was watching what last night, and, and I don't know who it was. Um, but, you know, they, they were kind of dancing, going at it. And it, it, was a, it was like a 135-pound or 140-pound fight. And one of the announcers said, look at so-and-so. He's big. Yes, I know he's 135. But, look, he, he has a big frame, big shoulders for a guy that size. And the guy Dre is backing up and stops and flexes because he heard them say that. He's saying, yes, I am big. <laughs> and then the other thing, as you mentioned, I, I was watching the late, it was Smith and the, uh, 
uh, main event. I mean, he would, I, I, this is something about the sport I don't know why it wasn't stopped, but he told his corner, my teeth are falling out. I mean, he'd gotten hit in the ear and in the cheek so many times, yeah. and I just don't know why either the corner or the official didn't stop it. But he says to the live mic, my teeth are falling out, and they let the fight continue. Yeah, and he took a brutal brutal beat. Oh my. I mean, he just, I mean, so brutal. And, and, and like, and I've thought about this, like, um, I like, it is weird to be doing a live game and I've had it in NFL and I've had it in baseball where a player hears you talking about it. And like in baseball, it's different. Some of these guys, you know, they'll go back underneath and watch and go watch a replay of their at bat, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, or they're watching the TV as they're taking a the bathroom or, or checking their cell phones, whatever players may do during the game. And there's nothing worse when a player comes back and is like, really? You think I'm a piece of shit? You think I suck? You think I can't hit a fastball? Yeah. I'll be like, and I'll be like, I'll be like, Kip, I didn't say you couldn't hit a fastball. I said you just blew it by you. <laughs> right. Like it is, I got to say, from my standpoint, that's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but you know what? And I, I would say this, I think more people need to go through this. Um, it makes you do your shit right when you know that they can hear everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. But it would be different. But even in baseball, even in baseball, let's say if I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know they've been they they've been you know they've been uh they've been overworking him with with off speed pitches. You know if I say something like that, well, you know what if they what if the pitcher here like it's just it's something that and I'm like yeah. that's our biggest concern. And six weeks, then no big deal. But sure. it is something as a broadcaster you got to think about. Well, there's another layer to that too. I mean, obviously during a game you might get Tito or you might get a player or someone might come down and say something to you casually, right? But Right. With no fans in the stands, you're going to hear a lot more than ever whether they want you to hear stuff or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had one of our uh, one of our tape replay guys who's really good. We were texting yesterday, and uh, he was like, he was like, Dre, if they put you in your normal spot, he goes, how many times are we go hear you tell somebody to fuck off? <laughs> and I was like, uh. I was like, dude, I go, I'm not, I go, I think, I go, I think that word's out of my vocabulary if we come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting too, because, you, you know, I, I've been following the headlines and, and, and I've read some of the details, not every story, but then I hear Buster only who's at the very top of his profession and has been connected to everybody in baseball for so long. And he was on Cleveland radio today and said, if he had to bet the farm that he would say, there's not going to be any baseball. So it's just everything just continues to be such in such limbo, I guess, is the best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and rightfully so. I think, as you said, you know, it's like I, everything seems cool right now, but no one, none of us know what the world is going to look like in three days, four days. I think that's been the craziest thing about this, um, this whole time, this whole quarantine, all of this, because we've all been through it, right? We're all, you know, we're all kind of going through life with a question mark above us. And it's like amazing that we've been through two months. Not all of us are like, we can't do any longer. Um, and then, you know, at some point in time, I can laugh and talk to certain people and be like, it ain't been that bad. You know what I mean? And then it's yeah. like, but then you look around and you're like, wait, fuck, we got to stop this shit. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I've done my part. Um, God, I hope, I hope we get, I hope we're getting closer to it being done. So the main thing I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because we've never been afraid to be open here. Um, like four-ish weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, I would have told you, and I did. I don't remember if it was on here in the microphone or, or, you know, when nobody was around. Like, I was losing it. The walls were closing in. I'm not good at sitting yeah. still. 
Um, you know, I, I'm not a, a routine driven person, but I, I'm used to being busy. I'm used to being on the road. Right. I'm used to not having two days the same, let alone 22. Right. I would right. say over the last couple of weeks, and you know, like I said, I'm just sitting here talking about myself and my psyche. Um, I'm much more at peace with what's going on and what I can and can't do and what I have to worry about. But it has been so hard for me to get motivated to do one fucking thing. Like, honestly, like, and some of that is just natural. Like, Hey, you know, we're going to clean out the car. We're going to do this. My mom will be like, call your grandmother or one day I'm going to have you help me with this. And it's just like, I feel like I have all these hours and days and I put them off and, you know, even when you're not doing anything, the, the the clock still ticks, and then it's time to do something. Like today, I sat at the computer for two hours, and I probably wrote two sentences. What what yeah. I wasted my time on, or how I distracted myself, I couldn't tell you. But I know I didn't get yeah. near as much as my real work done because just my mind and body cannot get in the same place at the same time. Yeah. You know, they just can't. I, that's a yeah. It's re- that's real. I I'm with you. There are a lot of times where I sit there, like today I tried to ride the bike and like, and usually just like anything else, it's like when you ice something or run, like you got to get through that first, that first, that first hill, you know, you got to get through that first five, mm-hmm. six minutes and then I can go for 45 minutes. I can go for an hour. Um, and right now, and I, I totally get what you're saying. It is so hard for me just to get the rhythm started. You know, like, and it's like, and I know once I get through this, I'm fine. You know, like I, you know, it's like I get through that and, and boom, you know, like 30, 40 minutes later, 50 minutes later, I've gotten in, you know, the workout that I needed and I feel good. I could not do it today. I changed music. I turned on the radio, turned the radio off, tried to find a podcast. And I literally looked down and was like, I've been sitting on this bike for 30 minutes and I've only rode it for about 12. <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell you why, but that's where I'm at right now. It sucks. I yeah. It sucks. Yeah. We actually went on a long walk today, uh, which you've been doing a lot of days. You know, sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate and sometimes just lack of motivation comes in. But, yeah, it's it's just hard. And, like, I am a procrastinator as it is. You know that. The listeners know that because I talk about it all the time. Right. But, um, man, it's just it's it's been hard to get. Like like you said, just get over that first hill and you're fine. Just just break that first sweat. Get that first mile. Sometimes like drinking that first claw on a Sunday morning after a long Saturday. You just got to get through it. <laughs> it's, very, it's very reminiscent. I'm sorry you bring that yeah. up. <laughs> but I always tell kids when we go talk to classes, all I got are sports analogies. Well, on the podcast, all I got are sports and drinking analogies. Uh, right, here's my question that I thought of. This isn't the okay. segment that I told you. We're going to save that for next time. Okay. UFC. Me and you get in the cage. Who you walk into the ring with, and what's your song? Uh, I'm gonna pay whatever I can to get Mike Tyson to walk me in. <laughs> that's pretty. That would keep. That, that's simple. I want Tyson to walk me in. Um, and ambitions of a of a writer. Oh, like it's what it's the first song that uh, Tyson listened to and came out with when he got out of prison. My ambitions as a writer. Oh yes, absolutely. It, it works. <laughs> I'll get the night on the street rider. I'm a fucking rider. You don't want to fuck with me. <laughs> what you got? What you coming with? I'm coming with James Harrison. <laughs> oh. Um, I don't know who else is who's wearing the mask in my crew. 
Oh, my song. Gosh, I don't know. Um, man, that's a really good one as far as like setting the scene and, and taking right. it back. And again, it's so weird without. I mean, obviously these yeah. guys get locked in to do this, but without the crowd to feed off of. And you know when you nail, it doesn't matter what kind of fight it is, when you nail a song like you just did with Ambitions as a Rider, all of a sudden you're into it. On the TV, in the arena, everything, right? Um, right. Gosh. I'm probably coming out to uh, Cheeseburgers in Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you something. I was going for intimidation uh, when you asked me mine. Uh, but twofold, I got to say, Cheeseburgers in Paradise, I would not be serious for a fight. And maybe that's how you win a fight. You completely go in there with the opposite like thought process to screw them up. But if you come in with Debo, a.k.a. James Harrison, uh, I'd rather watch Tyson and Harrison fight, to be completely honest. Speaking of, and you and I are like I'm 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 indifferent on this type of shit. But we were both in Pittsburgh the day that Muhammad Massaqua and Josh Cribbs got knocked into 2020. Uh, I believe it was like a decade ago, to be completely honest. Did you hear what uh, Mr. Harrison, Mr. 330 Power, had to say? Uh, was handed to him by Mr. Tomlin the week he was. I want to say he was popped for what 75, girl. Really? Yes, it was pretty big. Yes. Whatever. It was. Um, and the Roonies, you know, the Steelers are a legit organization. The Roonies already came out and said it wasn't true, whether it's true or not. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to question James Harrison for several reasons. One being, I don't want him showing up at my door. <laughs> 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 if me and you are going to fight, I want him coming on my side. I don't want him showing up at my door. Otherwise, um, Right, right. It's just like you're talking about. What do we what do we start this podcast with? That athletes right now got to understand that there's not a good answer they can give if they're actually asked for their thoughts on coronavirus, right? right. right. What right. does James Harrison have whether that story is 100% true or 100% false? What does he have to gain right now by putting that out there? Uh, zero. Yeah. Or 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 we're in a different phase. And I ain't trying to call athletes out. I'm not. I'm really not. But I hear a lot of ex-athletes getting loose with the lips. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, just, you know, like, they're getting, like, everybody wants to be Stephen A. Smith, but everybody ready to deal with what Stephen A. Smith deal with. Kendrick Perkins, I'm looking at you. And Kendrick Perkins, I'll give credit to. He talks a lot of shit, but and at least he, like, he'll say my bad or he'll, like, I just think we're in a day and age where it used to be, like, three people that just said things for sensationalism. And now anybody gets a microphone in front of them, and I'm looking in the mirror at myself because you're pointing a finger at somebody else, we're pointing back at you. Um, there are a lot of people out there right now that we've given podcasts, social media sites, yeah. uh, tournament polls to that have no business talking the way they talk. Hey, any idiot can have so, a podcast. I would like to think, James. Yeah. <laughs> any idiot can have it. a podcast, and you and I are proof of that. <laughs> yes. I mean, because we've had James it for. Being James, right. But knowing James and knowing him, I don't think James says things just for popularity. I think James just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. But he gains nothing in saying it. Yeah, like, I can completely envision, and again, I'm not getting into it. Like, I see Browns fans on Twitter, and again, it's just boredom, and it's something, you know. I mean, it was like nine years ago, right, Dre, or more? Right. Yeah, I think it was, it was 2001. Like I guess it was 10, 11, right around there. Yeah. It's all the same at this point. Like, I can see a scenario where Mike Tomlin said to James – we will take care of that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. I could even see a scenario, that. I guess, where it happened. But for it to come out on a random May day in, in 2020 is just so weird. And um, Yeah. Well, 
even though Greg with two G's or three G's or how many of G's he had got in trouble for the bounty gate stuff, I think most, and I'm not trying to put people down, I think most people that have been around or covered football or watched football, um, there's always been incentives. And I'm not okaying it. I'm not saying bounties are okay because they're not. But, I mean, I can go back, and I'll talk about what I know. I won't talk about what I know other teams did or what I've been told other teams did. But I can even say at St. V, I mean, we had a, a special teams T-shirt that you want every week. They do accept special teams player of the week. And it was usually if you had a big hit, you, you made a fumble recovery, a return to cut, a kickoff or punt, um, and uh, different than getting handed an envelope if that's what happened. My point to this is, in every, like, and I got to be careful, uh, like, incentives happen on the AAU level all the way to the big leagues, okay? Yes. You know, like whether it's guys putting in $2 each or players putting in $200 each for their quote-unquote MVP of the game. Yes. That well, should happen. And everybody should stay in the clubhouse. And that's where I really have the problem. With yes. Saying. If it's no, true, that no is, business putting it up there. Yeah, that is the thing in the social media era. The line between what what stays in the clubhouse and the locker room and wherever and what gets out there, even after a certain amount of time. You're exactly right. Yeah. And without putting words in your mouth, we don't need. what you're trying to say about that special teams award is probably six of the ten weeks it went for a headshot, right? <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean. If today it would get hit, somebody fired. Yes. Right. If you made a hit that made everybody, the whole room when we were watching the video go, ooh, yeah. I'm pretty sure you got an extra sticker or you got an extra T-shirt or you yeah. got a, you know, like, you know, like that's. You showed up and showed out. We got we got to back you in the back for that, baby. <laughs> All right, so one more thought. One more thought on going back to my walkout music. I don't think I've ever told you this. Let's play a little American Fireworks Glory Days. Remember, AmericanFireworks.com. So when I was playing hoops at Manchester, uh, early on in my career, we would scrimmage with Bukhtal. Um Bukhtal was really good at the time. If you guys are not familiar with the Akron area, Bookdale is an inner city school that I believe for decades has been 99% African American. Is that fair, Dre? Um, uh, my man, I don't, I don't want to kill you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for I decades, mean, for our life, for our lifetime, yeah. yes, yes. And I, where I went to Manchester, has been 98% Caucasian <laughs> for ever. Yeah. Um, they had a really good player, a guy by the name of Doylan Robinson, who went to Ohio State um, to play. They had a guy named Ramon Walker on their team who yeah. went to played three or four years in the NFL. They had some other guys that were really good, and they were good for a long time. And, you know, frankly, they were good at everything. I mean, this is Ricky Power School. And they were yeah. – anyway, so we scrimmaged them, and we would play them in the summer. And, you know, didn't really know the guys, but in some form or fashion, if you were involved in basketball, we, we crossed paths a lot of times. Well, we finally played in a real game, a two-game series – my junior year. And they, they went to the state title game that, like I said, they were really good. And we oh, beat them. Unbelievable. We beat them on a half-court shot at the buzzer. And it was crazy. And quite frankly, it was like, okay, now we got to make sure we get the hell out of here. I, I'm not going to run from right. that thought. <laughs> right? So right. my senior <laughs> year was the return game uh, at Manchester, which was a culture shock for, for these guys. And oh, the, the day of the game – we put together a 20-minute warm-up tape of only country music. Really? <laughs> now, whoever it was got cold feet at the end, and we didn't play it. 
<laughs> but we really, in our 18-year-old brains, thought that that would be some sort of psychology. Looking back on it now, I mean, we already had their attention because we had beaten them the year before. Um, you know, and they were probably going to whomp us anyway. <laughs> and it, it was yeah. a competitive game, but but they, they beat us, I'm, I'm sure, by double digits or close. Um but yeah, that was something that we thought would have been good, and I just I wanted to tell that story because I've never told it before. That's a great story. I would, and it like, but let me see here's, and this is how much things have changed since we left high school two decades ago. Two like, well, in a couple it's changed. You do that nowadays, that gets out on social media, and your coach administration, yes, like every you're racist, you're this. When in actuality, yeah, are there racists at Manchester? Sure, are there racists at Booktel? Sure, but yeah. in reality, in reality, that's funny. Right. Like, like, it's, like, like it's funny. I remember, like, I remember going to snow my senior year after I whopped them my junior year, and and like, and they like, and it was like, like they were. I didn't take anything as racist. They wanted to beat me. They wanted to beat the little black Irishman, is what they were like. Like it was like they were like they wanted like it was their homecoming. And I remember we went down with Graham Road going to Stowe High School, and it was like lined with families for homecoming. But at the at the end, it was like kill thirty two and had signs the little kids. I remember getting off the bus, getting a finger, like people give me the finger, and like it was the funniest thing ever. It hyped me up, and then they hit, they hit the shit out of me. <laughs> like you said, when you beat them the year before, they remember when you show up at their yeah. doorstep the next year. <laughs> well, and, and this is the line too, like right, kids will be kids, and competition will be competition, and gamesmanship is gamesmanship, right? Like we talked for years sure. about. Like if you if you think the refs are against you or the story I told about the sprinklers going on when Bookler came to Walsh that time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you let that shit get in your head, you're beat. And that's like what the Patriots right. have done for years. You told the story about all, all the things going on below Gillette Stadium, like they yeah. won the pregame battle because extra because teams had to take extra precautions, you know. And whether it's true or not, when they kill the signal for one half of one second and make you freak out, they've won that one half of one second. Right with the with yeah. the helmet can or the helmet phone, but you're right. Phone, like yeah. in this day and age, it travels quickly. And what's harmless stuff? And honestly, when when you go eight times out of ten, right? When you go from 16, 17 year old Johnny All Star, Jock Tough guy, like you later become friends with those guys that you play played against. Yeah. Right, like yeah, you all go to college together. You all had a mutual friend, especially now where they transfer all the time, yeah. and everybody plays travel baseball on eight different teams, and everybody plays on six AAU teams. You know, and, and on social oh, yeah. because of social media, all the kids know each other too. Like right, and they know their highlights, they know their highlight films, yeah. and all that other stuff. All I, right. I got a story to play off of that, and I may have told it on the podcast. I don't. If I have, I apologize. Um, but it plays into this conversation. So my freshman year at St. V, um, and it like, and I'm a, I'm a, obviously a light skinned dude. And if you're wearing a helmet at the time, you didn't know if I was white or black, whatever. So we're playing Camp McKinley's ninth grade football team, and um, and they they looked like a varsity team. This is when McKinley was McKinley. This is '92, '93. This is when they were real deal Holyfield. And I we go to the, we go to uh, center center field or 50 yard line for the coin flip. I'm a captain. And I remember there's two black dudes, little black dudes. They're the same size as me. They were like, we're going to fuck your little black leprechaun ass up, bro. And no one had ever talked. Like, people had talked shit to me before on the football field, but never, like, at the, at the captain's, like, shaking a hand. And, like, and it was so blatantly. Like, I'd played against black dudes before. I like, grew up in the west side of Akron. 
But this was different. Like, I, so that, at 14 in your freshman year of football, and I didn't even play football my seventh and eighth grade year because I was, quote, unquote, too big, and I was a running back and refused to play live. So I had gone two years without playing. So this is like my fourth game playing, and I played baseball exclusively and basketball, but I still had it. And we get out there, and they were like, we're going to fuck your black little, little, your little black leprechaun, play up your black leprechaun ass up. And I remember like, like, did he really just say that? And my boy Tim Samples, who's our linebacker, who lived in Coventry, was a bad mofo. He goes, y'all ain't doing shit to any leprechauns. And, like, I couldn't – and if anybody – you guys know me, I'd run my mouth when I'm asleep. I didn't say anything. It kind of had me shook. Because I remember looking at the rest of their team, and I'm like, man, they got 50 of these dudes. They, and, and, like, literally I'm thinking, am I going to be fast enough against these guys? <laughs> so, first half – First half, and there's names, and I'm not going to put names on this because some of the names people would know, and I, it, I'm not putting freshman shit talk out there like that. But I played like um, I played like monster back on defense my freshman year, and my first touchdown came, a bigger running back, going up, becoming a pretty big name, comes through the hole, our lineman's grabbing him, and rather than hitting him, I went Deion Sanders. I just ran up and took the ball from him and ran the other way to the point that when you see it on film, I go like 50 yards and score a touchdown, and you don't even see my first 30 yards running because they don't know where the ball's at. Like, I literally just, like, he was, he was held up, and I just grabbed the ball and ran. And you can see the cameras, like, five seconds later trying to find me. And I'm already in the end zone, and nobody is within 30 yards of me. Like, to the point where I'm like, are they not going to give me the touchdown because of this? So that happened. And then I had probably, like, 50 yards rushing in the first half, and they were hitting this shit out of me. And I remember my dad at halftime, like, as we were walking back out, he's like, hey, man, Protect yourself. You guys got to leave. Protect yourself. And my dad had never told me that. But that basically told me I was about to get fucked up. <laughs> so we got the ball. Like, so we get the ball to start the, first, the third quarter. And we get backed up. I can't remember what happened on the kickoff. We're like, we're on the 10-yard line. It's first and 20. And I'm at the back of the end zone on Green Street. And I, as we come out of the huddle, I had an Italian linebacker named Bubba Lacoste. And Sal comes up and lines up at fullback and goes, touchdown, motherfuckers. And I'm the one getting the ball. And I'm, like, dotting the eye in the tailback position. And I, and I can see all the eyes of every black dude on Camp McKinley go, you hear this motherfucker? Did y'all hear him? And Bob Butash hands off the ball to me. I make a guy miss in the, in like, like, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm off. I go 90 fucking yards untouched. Now, it came off on the field like I dotted the I and basically said, I'm about to take this to the house, motherfuckers. I'm letting you guys know 30 years later almost, it wasn't me talking shit. It was my fullback. So fast forward, we win the game. Um, it was one of the last freshman games I played. Fast forward to my freshman year in college, moving to the dorms at Kent State. Um, it already been practicing a little bit or whatever. So it's kind of the first day that we move into our dorms and there's these two dark skinned dudes, brothers at the end of the hall. And they kind of look at me and I kind of look at them and we keep it moving. And, you know, the brothers do the head nod, you know, like, like we see you. <laughs> and about a week later, one of them comes up to me and is like, bro, you the dude from St. V, you the little, you the dude from St. V, the, the cold ass running back from St. V. And I go, I go, um, yeah, I go, I, I go, I guess. He goes, yeah, I'm the one that called you the black leprechaun back in freshman year. You was a bad motherfucker, man. We thought we was going to whoop your ass. 
Do you know I, it was the best laugh I had my whole college career? We <laughs> lost it. And we ended up becoming drinking buddies. I'm out. They're teachers now. But it goes back to that story. Like, that doesn't happen now. Like, if that happens on the field nowadays, they're tweeting at each other. They're meeting yeah. at the ball. You know, like, but for us, that happened when we were 14 years old. We all went on to have great high school football careers. We all end up at Kent State. We all end up on the same floor. And it took them remembering me to go, yeah, man, that was us that called you the black little leprechaun. <laughs> it was like, I'll never forget it. It was one of the best moments of my, well, of what, my high school Well, one thing that the – the last dance has brought to light is players back then were friends, right? You just knew a lot yes. less about it, right? Yes. <laughs> there have been a lot of times we've killed LeBron for his friendships and different things. And I didn't, you didn't, I didn't realize that Danny Ainge was playing golf all day with Jordan before they played, yeah. before he went off for 69. Like you're right. Like that was all so covered up so well that we really had no idea. Yeah. So I'm not c- completely caught up, but the finale is this weekend. So I'm going to catch up. I don't know if I'll watch the finale live, but I'll watch it, you know, before Monday or Tuesday. And we'll, uh, hell, we can do a full Last Dance pod, right? Because we don't got nothing else to do. So. Absolutely. You're right. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, before we get out of here, I got some of these cards left. So we've done this oh, the last yeah. two segments. People seem to enjoy it. So uh, last two episodes, I mean. Um, guys, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, stopped over at my parents' Went and grabbed from a big box a bunch of baseball, basketball, and football cards without looking at them um, from the late 80s, early 90s. So I put them in a pile, set them here, and I've just been grabbing a handful at a time and reading them to Dre. And he's kind of Rain Manish and and (laughs) reciting off who it is. So here I have a 1993-94 rookie card, a first-round draft pick of the Los Angeles Clippers, Terry DeHair. Terry DeHair, guard, Seton Hall. I believe it was number five. Seton Hall had a lot of decent dudes in the mid-90s that came out, but they never did much in the pros, and Terry DeHair was right up there with them. 6'2", six, 6'3", six, guard. 6'4", 190, the 13th pick in 1993. When he left school, he was the Big East all-time leading scorer. That means he could hoop. Yes. Didn't do much in the league, though. No, he did, he did not, but... Uh, you were all over that one, as expected. All right, um, top stadium club football card, 1992, Miami Dolphins, Pete Stoyanovich. Pete Stoyanovich, Dolphins kicker? The kicker. Pretty sure, right? Yep. Yeah, no, he might have been number five, too. He was right around. Yeah, uh, Pete, number 10 he's wearing in the, uh, in the card. Okay. But, uh, all right. Well, no, I remember he was definitely a kicker for the, for the Dolphins. Put up a lot of points because he was he was uh, Dan Marino's oh. fucking uh, kicker. You are locked in. Here's what the card says: Emerging star with powerful leg and improving accuracy, led the AFC in scoring in '91 with 121 points. Yes, Holds sir. a postseason yes, record for longest field goal, 58 yards. That's I, I mean I remember him being good. Now I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's the early Madden days. That's how you knew those players. Yeah. Right? And he fit in with Miami perfect. Dark hair, dark features. Women loved him probably. <laughs> Probably runs, a, probably runs a cocaine house. <laughs> Listen to the A to Z podcast where we sometimes talk sports, we sometimes talk freshman football, and sometimes Dre tells you how good-looking kickers were in the early 1990s. <laughs> 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 hey, speaking of, you're, did you go to Perkins Middle School? I did not, but all my family did. Perkins no longer exists. Right, that's Great. what I was, was going to say. I played good park last week, and we got off the exit. And I was like, holy shit, the school's not there anymore. <laughs> right. It's crazy, man. You guys, have you seen Firestone High School, by the way? 
Um, I've was I've been in the new school once, but it was it was a few okay. years ago now. That blows me away. I, all of that blows me away. It's crazy. All right, the next card is Jamal Mashburn. That's a gimme. Um, That's too easy. Kentucky. That boy can get it. Okay. Here's one. Wait, is that a Mavericks? Is that a Mavericks card though? Because I got. I'll give a quick story off. Of um, that. it's a rookie standout. He's not. He, yeah, I mean. Well, I'll, I'll just tell the story real quick. For to talk about things that happened back then, if it happened now, it would go crazy. I don't know if you remember the story, but he, Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, and they, and it was a great trio with those three because Kidd couldn't score, but he could give it out. And he was perfect for those two scores. And then team ended up getting bro- broken up because of Tony Braxton. Look it up, kids. They basically had a fight over Tony Braxton with a big R&B star at the time. I remember now we just that. call that Now we just call that the Kardashians, and they just do the whole NBA. Continue See, on. They were, especially around here because Jimmy Jackson was such a big deal. I mean, for a right. long time, people considered Jimmy Jackson one of the, the best two high school players ever to come out of the state. Um, Absolutely. But they were, you know, when video games started going to the licensing and, and the official characters, they were a sneaky good team, the Mavericks, because because of those guys you just mentioned. So, um, all right, this this is a 1993-94 card, um, but this guy was actually drafted in 1987. In 92-93, he was playing for the Orlando Magic. His name is Donald Royal. Donald Royal with cheese, ball-headed dude. It's kind of like a seventh guy guard off the bench, probably about six five, six six. I want to say went to a smaller school. He would put points up on you every once in a while, but more of just an energy guy uh, that came off the bench for the uh, Orlando Magic that had Dennis Scott and all my other favorite dudes back then. Yeah, he bounced around the league. Um, he was six eight, two ten. I actually okay. had him confused with Royal Ivy for oh, minutes. Royal Ivy was a guard. Point yes, there, right? yes. Donald okay. Donald Royal went to Notre Dame. Um, I think he had a pretty long career. All right, here's a question for you. This okay. is a quarantine game. This isn't on the card. If you had to okay. bet one of your children that Thurl Bailey ever averaged 18 points in an NBA season, would you take yes or would you take no? Um, I would say yes. He Only did? because I know pre, yeah, pre-Carl Malone, he was their good dude, yes. right? <laughs> so let me, I, let me, let me explain this. This is better than the cards. So it, my, it is. My, my good friend Scott uh, triplets, two of them are boys. They're like sixth grade, something like that. And they're, you know, they're not as nerdy as you and I, but they know their sports. Right. And because they play 2K and Madden and MLB the show, they know their stuff. So I adapted this game from a long time ago that we used to play on car rides and, and frankly, on drinking when there was no girls around, uh, which was most of my drinking career. Right. <laughs> um, it was called the name game. And so it'd be as simple as this. It would be Orlando. I would say Orlando Magic, right? And you would say, you know, Shaquille O'Neal or Penny Hardaway. Or you would say Orlando Predators. Or you would say Barberton Magics. And then I would have to come back with Alvin Robertson, right? Or so- something along okay. those lines. Right. And we go. So... We, during one night in quarantine, sitting in the garage over at my buddy's house, who lives right up the road from me, it was me, him, and his two 12 year olds. And, you know, it got around, and he said Damon Bailey, and he was so proud of himself. And I said Thurl Bailey. And the kids Ooh. were like, who? Huh? And so we, <laughs> le- we looked it up. We went to his basketball reference page, and we looked it up, and we couldn't believe, believe that. And then he calls me about a week. Th- you know, this was several weeks ago. He calls me about a week ago. And he goes, Uncle Zach, I'm proud. He goes, I walked downstairs today, 
and the kids were playing 2K with the all-time uh, Utah Jazz team. Because then I heard Brady say I, to Josh, put Thurl Bailey in. <laughs> ah, that's great. That's great. Funny he brings up that game because during spring training when I had my nephew with me, uh, staying with me, I didn't realize 2K had all these old teams. And we ended up staying up one night doing with those. And, like, and, he was, and my, my nephew, who's 22, 23, he was like, how the hell do you know all these old teams? Because like I would not like old, but I, I would use like the Cavs team that lost on the shot. And I, I love using um, – there was another old team that I just um, – not Phoenix, but it was a team like that Jazz team that just could score. And he was like, damn, how do you have all these dudes that could score? I'm like, dude, oh, I think I used like an old Denver team. And, you know, it was just like one of those up and down Denver – I was like, dude, the league, the league had scoring teams for a long time. They just didn't start three years ago with Golden State. That's right. There used to be a lot of running gun teams, man. <laughs> All right, one more card. Uh, we got a Topps football right. card here from 1987. Um, we have defensive end from the Cincinnati Bengals, Ross Browner. Oh, Ross Browner is part of the Browner family. Yeah. Uh, he had a brother that I believe played safety for Seattle. Um, he was, I want to say they – I don't want to go too far. They may have a connection to Ohio too. Warren, Ohio. I want to say the Browners – Warren, are, Ohio, yeah. Yeah. Warren, Ohio, yeah, home of so, a lot of good players. Yes, but the Browner family, I mean, they're big boys, too. Um, I want to say the brother that played safety for Seattle was a stud, was one of my favorite players. But, yes, I know that name. I can't remember the career nearly as much there, okay. but I remember his brother. I'm, I'm going to Google Ohio. it and cheat, but before I do, I think you're thinking of Joey Browner, correct? Joey, it may be. It may be, but I'm pretty sure they're related. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. They're Warren, Ohio. Uh, Ross was a first-round pick of the Bengals in 1978 out of Notre Dame. Uh, wow. wow. Joey, Joey Browner, yes, was a strong safety with the Vikings uh, for nine years. Yeah, that's what it was, the Vikings. That's the album. And yeah, they had, uh, really good. They had some relatives come out semi-recently. Uh, gosh. I want to say Max Starks yes. from the Steelers was related to the Browners. He is related, yes. That, make, that matches up. It's God. someone like that. It's a big lineman or someone like that. Yeah, I mean, Browner family was – yeah, guys, I've been quarantined for 40 years, so this is how I know this shit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> We should call this the A to Z nerd moment. Brought to you by the Ohio education system. <laughs> All right, so a couple quick things before we get out of here. Uh, to our friends in radio who have to do this for hours every day, God bless you. <laughs> um, yes. To our friends listening, whether you're on the treadmill or sleep, fell asleep on the couch or whether you're working, driving, whatever you're doing, thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, we had a little break in the middle uh, tonight, and we, we talked. Like We want to continue to do this at least once a week. You know, When we have something to do um, you know, or something to talk about, we'll certainly do it. We, we look forward to getting back to doing it more frequently. We, you know, we just don't know. Um, and as far as right. having guests, we have to be in the same room. And you know, I, I think we're getting to the point where we can maybe do that. It's there. just – it's, yeah. it, logistically it's difficult and then to line up the guests at a certain time so um you know potentially we could use a different scenario but for as you longtime listeners know the more technology you stick on my lap the more chances i fuck something up <laughs> so we know this setup works once a week twice a week um thanks to you guys thanks to american fireworks to scene and to honeymoon grill and um you know we'll just see Dre, i'm gonna tell you um it's supposed to be nice saturday so I'm not sure I'll still be awake for UFC. But come Sunday, um, I'll watch NASCAR. 
Not because I know a thing about the sport, but because it's on TV. <laughs> I can't wait. Cannot wait. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. I mean, they're racing like every other day, too. It's not like it's just like Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, there's, like, there's four, they when they come back, there's like four finish. races in 10 days or, or 11 days, something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. And by next week, I think baseball will be in a better place. I hope. We'll see. Now, yeah. It's not even in a bad place right now. Just hopefully players just shut up. That's the, like, to me, that's all. Just don't talk. Yeah. You know, no. like, just don't talk. It's uh, very simple. Can you? It's fragile. So let's leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. It's a good word for it. You stay that way. Um, I say Kanichiwa to the black little leprechaun. <laughs> I can't wait to text you that. <laughs> I think, wait a second, I think I've been doing that for years. <laughs> Just don't tell on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's you Andre. I'm Zach. We'll talk to you next time on A to Z. Ah, yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen when you get to the ring and you go against me and I'm all reach? Zero endurance, zero power, zero stamina. <laughs> I'm going to shit myself with your hamburger, that hamburger. Come on. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you next time.